I was waiting for us to do another song right there, but uh, it's okay. Clearly, I'm having a little trouble this morning, so it's okay. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> and God bless all of you. That was awesome. Cleon, thank you for that gift a moment ago. Uh, I just would like to give a gift to all of you because this body is, is so faithful in serving and uh, being the body. We couldn't do what we do without each and every one of you. So I give glory to God for you. So can we let out a shout and say glory to God? Huh? Yeah. So uh, I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor at Summit. I know we have some guests here. This is one of those interesting uh, Sundays, uh, Sunday before Christmas. And, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow night there'll probably be an unusual crowd here for the Christmas Eve service at 5. But the Sunday before Christmas, oftentimes people are either traveling or making a decision or thinking, well, we're going to go tomorrow night or whatever. But I'm really glad you're here because uh, it's good to be together in his name like we are here this morning. So we are in this series called Carols, and today is actually part three. We'll conclude tomorrow night with one that is very special and endearing to me as we uh, look at the name Emmanuel together. But today we want to look at away in a manger and, uh, and pull in the scripture as it relates to this, this famous Christmas carol. Away in the manger was a first published as a part of a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in, in 1885. Now, uh, there, there is some controversy, some discussion as to who wrote the lyrics, potentially pointing them back to the 17th century, which would suggest that Martin Luther wrote them. Martin Luther is considered the father of the Great Reformation. But uh, more and more, uh, it's believed that this song is fairly new and 100% American-made. So uh, I'm not going to join the speculation as to who did write those lyrics. You can check that out. It's kind of fun to explore these things. But one thing is, is for sure about this song. It's a song that has touched many hearts for many, many years. And so in that, how many of you remember enjoying this song growing up? Anybody? Ah, look at that, yeah. So uh, think about that. Can anyone say that the song, as you sing it, pulls in some kind of um, special meaning or memory? Yeah, I see some heads going like this. Yeah, who would say definitely for me? Pulls in, yeah, okay. So, so maybe not as many as those who definitely have, have sung it, but, um, but still it's definitely touched hearts in significant ways. To me, the, the aspects of the song I appreciate most are the prayer aspects, such as, I love you, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my side until morning is nigh. I also like that line, and fit us for heaven to live with you there. I want to take the liberty to show you a little video clip here. You know, this song has that special meaning to my wife and her family, because her mom would sing it to them as children as a lullaby, okay? Is that true of any of you, song as a lullaby? Yeah, and that's actually been passed down through the generations, okay? So I want to introduce you to our great niece, uh, little Violet, named after Grandma, who started singing this. And let's, let's just watch Violet for a moment, okay? We're sneaking in on her. 
I ask thee to stay close by me forever. And love me, I pray. Bless all dear children. <laughs> and take us to heaven to live with you, dear. All right, let's hear it for a little Violet, can we? Yeah. I didn't get her permission to show that, so please no one tell her. I don't want her suing me for everything I've got. <laughs> so it's a sweet song, but, but I need to mess it up a little bit here. Because uh, if we're not careful, we could allow the song to, to insinuate that Jesus is still a baby. I mean, after all, the, the song does say, the little Lord Jesus. And as much as we may appreciate the song, and as much as I appreciate the song, he isn't forever the cuddly six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. Okay? However, he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And, and that's where I believe God wants us to focus our attention in the time that we have this morning that each of us must ask some questions. And they, they all pretty much hone in on, on one specific question. But it would go like this. If Jesus is Lord, is he my Lord? And not only is he my Lord in a general sense, but as we think about this song and approach Christmas, are there those specific areas of my life that I've not yet surrendered to him and allowed him to have his proper place as Lord? Jesus is Lord. Can we say that together? Jesus is Lord. Yes. Now, supposedly, I, I haven't done the research on this myself, but, but those who have tell us that in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord, can you believe it, 740 times? Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that number. But, of course, we're dealing with the Christmas story, the most familiar Christmas story, story place in the Bible to read it. Remember Dr. Schultz, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? Remember when they read the scripture? Yeah, that is from Luke chapter 2. And so if you go to verse 8 there, you find it's nighttime. Shepherds are doing the shepherd thing. They're keeping watch over their flocks. And then suddenly to their horror, there appears this great angel and the glory of God is all around them. When the angel begins to speak, do not be afraid. Now, I, I love to highlight that every time an angel of God shows up or God himself, you hear the words, do not be afraid. But there is one time that I realized during a devotion we're reading this Christmas that you don't hear those words, do not be afraid. And that's when God appears in the manger. Yeah, totally different scenario. Isn't that something? Because of sin, we should be afraid of God. But because we have a Redeemer, we don't have to be afraid of God. So it's interesting that that's the one time. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like that. Anybody want to join our friend Casey and say, woo? Yeah, yeah, we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. But the angel says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is what? Christ the Lord. Absolutely, he is Christ the Lord. Upon his arrival, that's the way he was introduced. And that's the way he was introduced by the hosts of heaven. But the big question still remains. What does that mean? For me, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us collectively? What does that mean in everyday life? If you happen to be married, 
What does Jesus as Lord mean in your marriage? If you happen to have children, what does Jesus as Lord mean in your parenting? If you're in a relationship right now or you're dating, what does Jesus as Lord mean in a dating relationship? What does it mean in your job? Maybe some of you just came through finals. I see at least one college student here that I know came through through finals just now. What does it mean when you're in the midst of finals? What does it mean when you're out Christmas shopping, you know, trying to take care of all of that stuff? It's actually the Greek word kurios, Lord, supreme in authority, but here's a part of the definition that I don't think any of us are going to appreciate. Controller. Jesus is controller. And now we have a problem, don't we? I mean, how can Jesus be the controller of your life when you're so desperately trying to keep everything in your control? <laughs> how does that work, you know? And I hope you notice that the emphasis here this morning is on you because thankfully I don't have a problem with control issues. As long as everything goes my way and people do what I think they should, I have no control issues whatsoever. Yeah, and, and even preaching. Oh man, think about the therapy of preaching. By virtue of me standing here at the pulpit, I, I get to impose all of my struggles on you, right? And as you sit there listening, because I don't have any control issues at all, me, the expert, gets to tell you how to deal with your struggle. Yeah, anybody want my job? Yeah. No, no I agree. I, I do have control issues. You know, it's been said that you can tell where the preacher struggles most by what he talks about most. Okay, so pay attention. What does Michael Descoli talk about most? But I think most of you are familiar with the serenity prayer. You know that prayer, the serenity prayer? I, I, I believe the first line highlights where Michael Descoli struggles. I just cannot get past that first line where it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. It's a picture of a surrendered life, and honestly, if I had to stand up here with all honesty today, I put way too much energy and give way too many of my brain cells and sacrifice too much of my body trying to control things that are way beyond me. So what does it mean to allow Jesus to be Lord? What does it mean to allow Jesus to be controller? Well, if we're to be honest... We don't make Jesus Lord because Jesus is Lord regardless of what we do and what we say. But we are given a choice in the matter. We can fight it or we can embrace it. It boils down to a willingness on each of our parts to wave the little white flag over the castle of our hearts and say, Jesus, you win I surrender, I'm yours. But even there, I mean, generally speaking, there, there's a number of ways we can respond to Jesus as Lord, but let's generalize it with two. The partially surrendered life versus the fully surrendered life. Partially surrendered life, fully surrendered life. So the partially surrendered life, and I'm going to talk about this in, in just a moment as, as we get there, because I'm not sure that any of us could actually say we're fully surrendered. But what I want to speak 
toward is our tendency to settle here, to settle to be partially surrendered. That's not the place of victory. It's not the place we're in, intended to live. Yet I'm confident that, that many American churchgoers live this casual, cultural, social um, approach to the faith, and they're good with that. To the point that one of my favorite pastors today, Greg Rochelle, wrote a book called The Christian Atheist, where he talks about how many people who claim faith live their lives like God doesn't make any difference, just something else to do, another thing to check off the box, but he doesn't really make any difference. It's a partially surrendered life. Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, what he's doing is painting a picture and he's saying, this is like building your life on sand and it is not a good foundation to build on. Oh yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I'm still going to be in control of my life. Yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, but there's still things I'm going to do or not do regardless of, of what I believe. Yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, but you can't possibly expect me to trust him with everything. I will date who I want to date, not date who I don't want to date. I'll forgive who I want to forgive. I'll bless who I want to bless. I'll love who I want to love. And we might as well take Jesus' words and say, forget it because I can't and I won't surrender there. I won't forgive him. I won't forgive her. There's no way I'm going to honor God with my finances. Yeah, I like going and worshiping with God's people uh, and uh, fellowshipping, just as long as there's nothing better going on in my life. So I brought this little image. This comes from my training with Campus Crusade for Christ. This is a self-directed life. It's a picture of a partially surrendered life here. I think we're going to get that here. But the idea is that Christ is in our life. Maybe we don't have it. Okay, so let me just paint the picture then. Uh, if you can get the picture of a circle, okay, and that circle represents your life. At the center of that life is a throne. And who is sitting on that throne? And in this picture, self is on the throne and Christ is put in a position of submitting to us. Now, doesn't that sound ridiculous? Picture of the partially surrendered life. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? The partially surrendered life. Now, I want you to listen to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 from the PSV. The partially surrendered version. Okay, and, and, and so it would go like this. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and definitely lean on your limited understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you'll figure it all out on your own. Okay, now maybe you're new to church, so let me just tell you, there is no PSV. I made that up, okay? Because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, is one of my all-time favorite uh, verses and it's really a picture of the fully surrendered life. Trust in the Lord with, trust in the Lord, we're talking the Lord, right? With all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I like to put the word limited understanding there. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your steps. He will direct your path. That's Proverbs 3, 
5 and 6. So I want to pause here for, for just a moment, and I want you and me to allow God just to speak to our hearts for a moment about any un unsurrendered areas. You know, Lord, what have I not surrendered? Lord, what am I still trying to control? What is it I'm holding on to? Is it my kids? Is it my future? Is it my job? Is, is it where we, where we live? Is it relationships? Is it some sort of addiction? And again, I want to take you right back to the serenity prayer, serenity prayer because truly that's my struggle. I, I don't think I'm accepting things I cannot change by handing them over to the Lord as well as I could. And, and to me, it's crazy because one of my recent revelations is this. I had, very, I, had, I had absolutely no control over how, when, or where I would come into this world. To some degree, I have no control over how or when I'll leave this world. So how is it that I try to control everything in between? <laughs> and I think that, that birth and death paints a picture for us that the real, that real life is found in the surrendered life. Can I entrust things to God? And, and here recently, you know, I'm so thankful for this church body and it's been such a good season. But once in a while, oh, how do I control finances oh there aren't enough people volunteering in this area oh man when are we going to have a place of our own and can i trust those areas to god those areas that are bigger than me believing that he really is in control so just think for a moment let god speak to you what about you what is god calling you to surrender this christmas let's just pause there for a moment Praise God. Write it down. Make note. Let's talk about the fully surrendered life. This takes us over to Romans chapter 14, verse 8, where it says, If we live. If we live. How many of you are living today? Okay, about one-third of you. All right. Uh, the rest of you after church, there'll be those here to pray for you. Okay. Now, honestly, how many of you are living right now? Yeah, there we go. That's a little bit better. Some of you still aren't sure. That's okay. If we live, we live for the Lord, the curios, the controller. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We are not our own. We belong to him. I wear this wedding ring. I never take it off. Never. I mean, on occasion, somebody says, remove all jewelry out of my control. Valerie wears a wedding ring. She never takes it off. How much did Valerie spend on the wedding ring that I gave to her? She didn't spend a thing. But the moment she decided she would wear that ring, I'll tell you, it cost her everything. Spend and cost, they are worlds apart. She and I, we, we stood before God. We stood before witnesses i gave my life to her she gave her life to me we wear these rings as a reminder 33 years later the rings are still a reminder i belong to her she belongs to me now right now i know there are those in the room who are saying i don't belong to anybody and right there i would say and that's the problem with marriage today during a wedding rehearsal this young groom pulled the pastor aside and he said, hey, look, uh, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you'll just skip that part in the vows, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, you know the part I'm talking about. Love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others. Be faithful to her so long as we both shall live. And he stuffed that $100 in the pastor's hands and walked away with a smug on his face. Next day, wedding came, right? Get to that vows part. The pastor's looking this young groom right in the eyes. And he says these words, do you promise to bow yourself before her? Obey her every command and wish. Serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life and swear eternally to not even look at another woman so long as you both shall live. <laughs> Guys, this dude's on the spot. I mean, he looks around. What's he to do? He's gulping, you know, kind of like, and he said, I do. After the wedding, he chased that preacher down. He said, preacher, I thought we had a deal. Pastor gave his hundred bucks back and said, we did, but she made a better offer. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> we are not our own. And like a ring, the cross is essential to our faith. Never take it off. Always wear it. How much did we spend to have our Savior go to the cross and lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sin? Nothing. It cost him everything. It was given to us as a gift. But the moment we chose to embrace the cross, it cost us everything. And as we stand before God and as we stand before witnesses, we know that he gave his life for us. And now we give our lives to him. I belong to him. He belongs to me. Well, I don't belong to anybody. And I would say, and there lies the problem with life and our world today. Not giving God proper place. So I'm convinced that the casual approach of, of many churchgoers today is, is something that we need to think about because Jesus is no longer a six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. He's not your buddy. He is Lord. Yes, he came the first time as a humble servant to lay his life down for your sins and mine. He rose from the dead to prove his victory over sin. He's coming back really soon as the conquering, victorious, reigning king. He's bearing a sword, a double-edged sword, and on that sword are engraved the words King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and when he comes, he means business. So we do not say Lord, Lord, and then just do whatever in the world we think we ought to do, because we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in who? With how much of your heart? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That word acknowledge isn't simply to say, okay, I, I agree. It's actually the Greek word gnosko, and it appears in many, many forms. But it means to truly know him. It means to have a relationship with him. Just like I described in the scenario of Valerie and me giving ourselves to him, it's to really know him. And in knowing him, then we begin to understand, hold on a minute. I know him, and if he really is God, and he really is Lord, that changes everything. Now my perspective is different. I have to walk through life with a different view, and friends, that is a good place to do life. 
Because now the one walking with you is the one who's been around a whole lot longer than you have from beginning to end. He has a complete perspective. He's seen it all. He knows it all. He knows what's best. And here you are in your situation trying to control things you don't even understand. And while he's calling you to say, hey, just surrender them all to me and watch what I will do. So uh, bottom line, the reason that we struggle so much with this business of surrender is because we don't trust him. We don't, we don't trust him. I mean, what if he keeps something from me? Or, or what if he somehow causes me to miss out? And I just want you to pause and think of the irony of that just for a moment. The one who gives us everything, truly, depriving us of something? Really? So hopefully I have another image here. Maybe, maybe I didn't give these images. Do we have an image here, Terry? No image here. Wow. Okay, I'm a failure. This is my morning. I totally messed up the rhythm on that one song because I was supposed to lead it. Uh, I'm a failure. What was the other thing I did? Drop my guitar today. There was a third thing. What was it? Thank you for not reminding me. I'm glad it's all about him. But in this picture there's a circle it's your life in the center of that circle is a throne and in this particular picture christ is on the throne and then me i'm surrendered to him that's that's the difference right there so earlier i said that there probably isn't anyone who could claim to be fully surrendered so what did i mean by that and to help us with this, I want to use an image. I'm failing on images today. Do we have a picture of the moon? No pictures today. No pictures of, okay. All right, well, uh, yay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're just about at a full moon. Is it a full moon tonight? Last night was full moon? Good. Yeah, because I, I know that because uh, I happened to be in Florida this week and, and we just knocked it out of the water. Knocked it out of the water. Knocked it out of the park fishing. Uh, we caught more fish than you can imagine. Grouper, snapper. We just ate fish constantly. Sheep's head. We were right there on an old wreck ship and just caught a pile of fish and it was so good because it, we missed the full moon, okay? So get a picture of the moon. A full moon, right? And then get a picture of the moon stages. Okay, so tonight, last night was a full moon, and now we're getting to a partial moon, and eventually we'll get to, to a, a, um, a crescent moon. And we know what a crescent moon looks like. So the Bible says this. It says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So what I want to propose to you is a full moon representing a completely surrendered life, and the various moon stages representing the partial surrendered life, degrees of surrender. So the moment we choose to surrender an area of our life to God, we are walking in full light, the full moon. Get it? But as soon as we get there, what does God do? He moves. He moves, and thus a crescent begins to be, be formed, right? What's happening? Well... We don't have the full picture. God is leading us, and therefore the moon stages become a picture of our spiritual maturity. And the gap is where we still need to grow. This is important to me because when I was a young believer, I was fired up. 
In fact, I thought that I was the model Christian. Mr. Christian, that's me. Just be like me, everybody else, and we'll all be okay. Okay? Now, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, developed this little tool that he called the spiritual uh, development, spiritual maturity assessment. And we've all taken these kinds of tests. You know, there, were, there was something like 15 areas of spiritual growth that he identified. For each one, there was something like five questions. You rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I'm not doing well there, 10 being I'm doing terrific there, right? And so when you're all done, you add this up, everything's in columns, so you bring it all down, you see your numbers, and the test shows you areas of your life where you need to work on walking with Christ, surrendering with Christ. But here's the deal. Back then, I scored off the charts. But the longer I walked with the Lord, the lower my test score went. What in the world was happening right there? I thought I was fully surrendered, but the truth is I was only walking in my limited understanding of surrender. The longer I walked with Jesus, the clearer the picture of where I really was became. And some days I would get the sense I'm walking in full light. Other days, all I can see is crescents. Can anybody see crescents in your spiritual journey today? And you can see how God is leading you. And at each of those points, we have a choice. Will we follow Jesus there? Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So here's that question again. Are you surrendered? What areas of your life is God calling you to surrender today? Are you being obedient in what you already know? Do you know him? Can you honestly say you know him? Maybe you're really good at the religious talk, but do you know him? To truly know him is to see him as he is and to surrender to him. So this Christmas, what is he calling 